0: The Old Testament reading for this, the 17th Sunday after Pentecost, comes from the prophet Jeremiah, the 11th chapter. The Lord made it known to me, and I knew. Then you showed me their deeds. But I was like a gentle lamb led to the slaughter. I did not know it was against me they devised schemes, saying, Let us destroy the tree with its fruit. Let us cut him off from the land of the living, that his name be remembered no more. But O Lord of hosts, who judges righteously, who tests the heart and the mind, let me see your vengeance upon them, for to you have I committed my cause. This is the word of the Lord. Be to God. Fear the Lord, you his saints. For those who fear him, nothing. Many are the afflictions of the righteous. This reading comes from the letter of James, the third and fourth chapters. Who is wise and understanding among you? By his good conduct, let him show his works in the meekness of wisdom. But if you have bitter jealousy and selfish ambition in your hearts, do not boast and be false to the truth. This is not the wisdom that comes down from above, but is earthly, unspiritual, demonic. For where jealousy and selfish ambition exist... There will be disorder and every vile practice. But the wisdom from above is first pure, then peaceable, gentle, open to reason, full of mercy and good fruits, impartial and sincere. And a harvest of righteousness is sown in peace by those who make peace. What causes quarrels and what causes fights among you? Is it not this, that your passions are at war within you? You desire and do not have, so you murder let your laughter be turned to mourning and your joy to gloom. Humble yourselves before the Lord, and he will exalt you. And this is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. The Holy Gospel, which serves as the text for our sermon this morning, comes to us according to St. Mark, the ninth chapter. Glory to the Lord. The disciples went on from there and passed through Galilee. This is the gospel of our Lord. Praise Praise to you, o Christ. Grace, mercy, and peace to you from God our Father and from our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Amen. Shh! You're in church now. Be quiet. Oh, how many times my young ears heard that admonition. As I played with my Hot Wheels on the pew, as I poked my brother and sister, as I visited from college. And I'm sure that you've heard it many times as well. Be quiet in church. Or maybe when you were younger, you just got the look. That meant clearly, be quiet, you are in church. And as a parent, I'm now on the other side of those statements as I try to teach my children to be respectful and reverent in church as well. Because this building... This altar, this place where we come into the very presence of God, we want to do it all in a right and reverent manner. But sometimes when we come into the presence of God, we're too quiet. Now, I'm not saying we need to be more raucous in the pew or start having private conversations with one another during the liturgy. That's not good. It is good to be reverential before the Lord, but not necessarily silent. In the Gospel reading today, we're taught this lesson, clearly. We see how the silence of the disciples as they stand in God's presence is their downfall. And we see how it's ours as well. Because this silence is not the silence that leads to reverence and respect like we teach our children. No, the silence of the disciples is ignorance, a lack of trust, a silence of shame. This is the silence that we ourselves need to break in our lives by the power of the Holy Spirit. To be not silent before the Lord. Because silent questions don't lead to wisdom. Jesus is teaching the disciples. He doesn't want the crowds to know where they are because he's taking time to give the disciples private teaching. To prepare them for the horrible things that they are about to experience. He's telling them what's going to happen as they go to Jerusalem. That he would be betrayed, arrested, crucified, dead, buried, but then would rise again. That's a lot to comprehend. That's a lot that the disciples need to understand before they reach Jerusalem. And so he explains it to them clearly. And in fact, he actually explains it several times in great detail at different points to the disciples. But the disciples don't understand. And they don't bother and don't want to ask Jesus about it. They remain silent. They were afraid to ask him. They didn't want to be that disciple who looks foolish. And so instead, they make up their own explanations. Simon the Zealot heard the teachings and he thought, Aha! Jesus would be the one doing the destroying because I know because that's what I want to happen. Peter tells Jesus flat out elsewhere that he's wrong. Something like that would never happen to you, Jesus. Rather than speak to Jesus about the teaching, ask him for clarification, all the disciples keep silent. Not wanting to look dumb, Not wanting to admit that they don't get it and that they need further clarification. God Himself in the flesh is standing right there with all the answers to everything. He is explaining to them clearly what's going to happen and they remain silent. Rather than risk their ego and admit that they know less than God, they keep silent. They pretend that they know what Jesus meant when they clearly don't. And then, when it comes to pass, exactly as Jesus told them it would, they're shocked. Their worlds are shattered. They are shaken to the core because they chose not to speak to God. Now, of course, we today have no right to laugh at the disciples because we do the same thing in our lives. When God's Word says something hard, or it opposes something that we want to do, far too often, we too remain silent. We don't investigate deeper into God's holy word. We don't look to him for the answers. We don't ask him or hear his word further. But rather, we sullenly grow silent. We drift away. Things that confront our ego and tell us that we're wrong, we're like, well, I don't want to hear that anymore. I don't need to listen to that. Hard doctrines. Things that tell us that those who cling to their sin are not forgiven. That those who do not have faith in Jesus Christ face eternal condemnation. We don't want to think about those things. And so rather than ask God for clarification, rather than dig in deeper to find out what's behind it, we just say, no, I just don't even want to hear it anymore. Doctrine that offends our culture. That makes us not be friends of this world. That makes us unpopular. That makes us stand out. When we hear these things in the Word, we don't want to hear it. When we hear things like, Jesus is the one and only way to salvation, we know that that's not popular. We know the world doesn't buy it. And rather than look into it and find out, is the world or God correct? We go with the world. We're silent before God. We don't talk to Him. We don't ask Him. We don't look further into His Word. Instead, we pout. We have that sullen silence like the disciples. Well, if that's how God's going to talk to me, I'm just not going to listen anymore. I'll go find another church that just confirms what I want to be true. I don't need God's Word because the world tells me the things that I would much rather hear. We put our own ego and feelings ahead of the eternal truths that God gives to us so freely. We shut that down. We don't look to that for answers. We look within or we look to the world around us. And so we turn our backs on God's wisdom and knowledge and we invent our own. And as James says, that's a problem. He says that that's what leads to quarrels and fights. As we look to worldly wisdom, as we look to things that change and are subjective, and then we base our lives on that, and then we find out that our truth doesn't click with somebody else's truth. In the congregation, as we each put our own ambitions ahead of the interests of the church, we have squabbles and fights about who's right, whose way is the way it should be done, rather than focusing on God's way. In the world, as Christian denominations bicker over man-made doctrine rather than clinging to the word of God. Now certainly, there are things that are very much worth fighting for. When Christians claim that it's good to be a friend of the world, we have to point to Scripture and say, God clearly says not to follow the ways of this world, not to buy into the culture of sin and death and degradation, not to pretend that sin is a thing of the past. But the standard for those things must be the Word of God. And the fight must be out of love, not anger. And that's where we fall apart. So often we look to worldly wisdom that says, prove your right, establish your dominance, win that Facebook argument, and that's going to make you the best. The so called wisdom of man leads to fighting and to more silence as we rely on worldly things but refuse to come to God, refuse to talk to him, refuse to listen to his word. But the answer is not silence. The answer is to ask God, to look to his word, to hear what he actually has to say, to speak to him and rely on him for guidance. Because unlike man's wisdom, the wisdom from above, that will never fail. When we come before our Lord, He hears us and He answers us. Not always in the way that we want. Not always with a pad and simple answer. Not always with a vocal, yes, that's the way to go about it. But He always answers us in the ways that are best for us. That will help us to grow. That will lead us to proclaim to the world the truth of His Word. His word will always give us deeper wisdom, better understanding, as we turn to it, as we delve deeper into it, and as we live according to it. That's why the church takes the time to do Bible studies and catechism classes and Sunday school for both youth and adults. We need to come before God with our questions. We need to look into his word for answers. We need to admit that we know so very little and that God's wisdom alone can give us the answers that nobody else can. The world offers up the simple, easy, pad answers that sound great and we assume that they're true wisdom because they say what we want to hear. But God's word, that is the eternal, inerrant truth. And it alone can give us true wisdom. But you see, that wasn't the only problem the disciples had. This lesson is not just about wisdom and knowledge. God is far, far more than just a grand cosmic teacher. And the silence of the disciples, it comes not just when Jesus tells them what's going to happen once they get to Jerusalem, the truth that they didn't want to hear and didn't fully understand. There's more to it than that. While silence before Jesus can deprive us of wisdom, silence before Jesus also deprives us of peace. Silent shame doesn't lead to forgiveness. As they're walking along, the disciples are arguing amongst themselves. There's that quarreling and bitterness that James talks about. And Jesus lets them go on. They're arguing about who's the greatest. Who's the bestest apostle there is? As Jesus has just told them what he is going to do. To suffer and die for the sins of the world. Their concern is not about understanding that, but about who's the best. Who's going to have the greatest place in Jesus' kingdom. When they arrive at the house, Jesus asks what they were arguing about. Not because he didn't know but to give them a chance to speak. And how do they react? They're silent. The disciples are silent because they know that what they were doing was wrong. You know, five minutes before supper, as a child walks into the kitchen with chocolate smeared all over their entire face, ask them, have you been eating candy? And I'd imagine what you'll be met with is silence. They know they've done wrong, but they certainly don't want to admit it. They want to pretend that if you don't say a word, maybe mom and dad won't notice. Maybe mom and dad will forget about it. Maybe they'll just let it slide. The disciples do the same. They know that what they were doing was wrong. They know that their argument was petty and selfish and just plain dumb. But they are not about to admit it. But again, we can't laugh at the disciples because we ourselves do the exact same thing. We know that our lives are sinful. We are called to task. We are convicted of our sin by God's holy word. But so often, rather than confess that sin, we remain silent before the Lord and hope he doesn't notice. When God's word confronts our sinful lives, we keep our silence. Like Adam and Eve and every single toddler who has ever been wrong, we try to hide and we try to hope that things get better and we think that if we say nothing, God's just going to let it go. God's word condemns our greed, but we keep on living our self-centered lives and say nothing about it. God's word condemns our lust, but we keep continuing to indulge our adulterous hearts in so many different ways. God's word condemns our anger, but we continue our petty squabbles and our fights and say nothing about it to the Lord. And what do we do when we hear that word that convicts us? What do we do when God's word comes before us and says, thou shalt not? Do we come before Christ with contrite hearts? Confessing our sin and asking for strength to change our sinful ways? No. So often, we silently turn away, try to hide our guilt, knowing that we've done wrong, but pretending that this is a better way because it feels better and God's not going to know any better. We assume that if we say nothing, nobody will know and it won't bother anyone. We think that silence makes it better. If we pretend it didn't happen, then there's nothing to be ashamed of, and all is well. If we don't admit that we've done wrong, then nothing's wrong, right? Wrong. Because silence before the Lord robs us of peace. Because it doesn't lead to His blessed forgiveness. If we say we have no sin, if we remain silent, we deceive ourselves, and the truth is not in us, And we make God out to be a liar. But if we confess our sins, God, who is faithful and just, will forgive us our sins and cleanse us from all unrighteousness. By our silence, we are telling God, there's nothing to forgive here. We've done nothing wrong. Your word doesn't matter to my life. But when we stand before him and bear our soul when we do that hard task of confessing our sin, standing before the holiness of God and saying, I am a poor, miserable sinner who deserves your eternal wrath and condemnation, we know that we will receive forgiveness. It's not easy to do. It hurts our ego to admit that we have done wrong, that we're not perfect. It goes against every instinct of ours that says just keep silent and pretend nothing has happened. But as Christians, trusting in the mercy of our Heavenly Father, we are called not to be silent, but to confess our sins unto God our Father. And when we speak to God, that's when true healing not just begins, but is perfected. When we speak to God, In faith and humility. When we confess our sins, we are forgiven completely and immediately. There may still be feelings of shame and guilt, there may still be consequences to that sin that we've committed, but all of those things are temporary. God's forgiveness, though, that's perfect and that's eternal that lasts forever as our sin is wiped away clean. When you stand before God and confess your sin, your sin is removed from you as far as the east is from the west. Your record is wiped utterly clean and in the eyes of God Almighty, it is as if you have never sinned, that you are His perfect, holy, and righteous child. When we confess our sins, when we break our silence and lay them before the cross of Jesus Christ, we are given perfect healing, perfect forgiveness, perfect peace. It is far better than the silence that this world encourages can offer. It's far better than holding on to that sin and keeping it within. All the self-help and positive thinking courses in the world, those can't give you the peace of Jesus Christ. All the silence in the world can't give us the peace of truly repenting of our sins to God. Because in Christ Jesus alone, we have true salvation. Through his cross and his empty tomb, our sin is taken away completely. And we are given not hope, but the promise of everlasting life in heaven. Living in that paradise that he prepared for us never silent anymore before the Lord, but singing out His praises for all eternity, no longer having to confess our sins because sin will have been a thing of the past. And even now, even this side of heaven, we have peace, knowing that God is faithful to all of His promises, knowing that when we confess our sins in God, we have true and complete forgiveness. Here in church, We come before God with contrite hearts every week, confessing that we are by nature sinful and unclean. In our daily prayers, we confess to God that we have broken His law and deserve His wrath. In private confession and absolution with the pastor, we stand in God's holy presence and fully admit just how wretched we are. We don't keep our sinful silence and assume that God won't notice But rather, we stand before God, not silent, but openly confessing our sin. Not to brag about it and revel in it, but to receive His forgiveness. To know beyond the shadow of a doubt that our sin is taken away. Not by how well we confess, but by what Jesus Christ has done for us on the cross and at the tomb. He has suffered and died in your place. He has paid your penalty in full. He has risen from the dead to pave the way for you. And he has taken away your guilt completely. So despite what your mom might have told you, even as you are quiet and reverent in church, be not silent before the Lord. Because when we come to him in prayer, when we ask questions and delve into his holy word, we are granted wisdom and a strengthening of Christian faith. But more than that, when we come to before him with faithful, repentant hearts to confess our sins, we are renewed, we are forgiven, we are made whole. Trying to hide our ignorance and our sin, that does nothing. But seeking the wisdom from above and bringing our sin to the foot of the cross, that does everything. Our Heavenly Father hears us, each of us, personally, individually. He does not remain silent before us. By grace, through His word, in His blessed words of absolution, our Heavenly Father answers us in love, giving us that blessed assurance that we can receive nowhere else. When we are not silent before the Lord, when we confess our sins, He proclaims to us that glorious message of His eternal gospel, that by the cross of Jesus Christ alone, By his empty tomb alone, you are forgiven of every one of your sins, and eternal life in heaven is yours. To God alone be all glory, now and forever. Amen.